This is Vermont Edition. I'm Jane Lindholm. And now it's time for Dorothy's List, VPR's book club for kids, based on the books nominated for Vermont's Dorothy Canfield Fisher Award. Today, VPR's Amy Noyes takes us to Westford Elementary School. Students there are discovering a nearly forgotten piece of history as they dive into Lost in the Pacific 1942 by Vermont author Todd Olson. Oh, oh. Come here, Rafty, Rafty. Come here, Rafty. This Rafty? This group of Dorothy's List readers at Westford Elementary School is about to embark on an adventure. They've been broken up into small groups, clustered around library tables, each representing a life raft. And the students on each raft have to use clues to solve a puzzle. The answer to that puzzle is the combination to a lock. The first raft's clue is a video clip. And it doesn't take long for them to find what they're searching for. Wait. December 7th, 1941. Once they find the clue, they need to convert it to a combination for their lock. But getting the lock open in time isn't so easy. Let's turn like this. Oh, it's upside down. Wait till like it be. Nope, so you got it this way. So 12, 7. Now pull. They already gave The different padlocks all secure one lockbox with a mystery inside. If the crew of each raft solves their riddle in the allotted time, the group gets the surprise inside. These life rafts in the Westford School Library are metaphorical, but in Todd Olson's book, Lost in the Pacific, 1942, he tells the story of men who really did have to figure out how to survive for weeks in three small rafts in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. But first, they had to survive the plane crash that got them there. Here's Olson reading from his book about the first minutes the men spent in those rafts. They bobbed on the waves, packed like sardines, marinating in salt water. Blood had begun to dry in a brown crust across Reynolds' face. Bartek was still bleeding from his hand. Adamson could barely move in the corner of his raft. And yet, they were alive. For the moment, nothing else mattered. As the plane headed for its meeting with the ocean, each member of the crew had lived with the probability that he would be dead in a few minutes. But here they were, still breathing the air, and that was enough to fill each of them with pure joy. The simple fact of survival made the world look hopeful. And then the retching began. And with emptied stomachs, eight men began what would be a three-week wait to be rescued from shark-infested waters with almost no food or fresh water. Fifth grader Abigail Curry said she was a little worried when she heard what the book was about. I know for one, when I came into this hearing, that it was just about, like, eight men just floating on an ocean for a whole, like, 180 pages. I was like, okay, this is going to be the most boring book I've ever read. (laughs) But, Abigail said, she was pleasantly surprised. And then, like, I actually started reading it, and it was, like, a lot more interesting. It kind of puts into perspective how much stuff can happen in such a, like, small, isolated space. Still, Abigail wondered if the author was tempted to spice up what could have been a tedious story. Did you ever consider, like, editing the story to make it not true, but, like, based on a true story, to make it, like, more active like and interesting? We put Abigail's question and questions from other Westford students to author Todd Olson. Oh, that's a really interesting question, Abigail, because 
I am actually of the opinion that nonfiction truth can be every bit as interesting and every bit as suspenseful and dramatic as a fictional story. And in part, that's the reason why I chose this particular story, because I really didn't feel like I had to do anything to it to make it suspenseful and dramatic. And so, so no, I didn't. And I, I do feel very strongly that if a book tells you that it's nonfiction, it shouldn't make anything up. An author shouldn't invent dialogue between the characters or invent events in the story. Sixth grader Sonia Riley wondered what drew Olson to this particular story. Why did you decide to tell this part of World War II when you could tell lots of other perspectives? Sonia said this book isn't like most World War II stories she's read. Because a lot of stories have like, like it's told from the perspective of like a Jewish person who is being banished or of someone who is under the influence of like Nazis. I actually feel like this is more I, more of a survival story than a story about World War II. And that's the thing that really drew me to it is that there's nothing better than a great survival story. And so to me, it's a story about eight men with personalities that were really different. Some of them got along and some of them had a lot of conflict who were stranded on rafts for three weeks without food and water. And that, to me, was uh, was the real drama of the story, not the war that was that was circling around them. But how were they going to survive? Were they going to be able to get along? Where were they going to get food? Where were, gonna, where were they going to get water? And would they make it back to their families alive? Lost in the Pacific is the first in a series of adventure stories Olson has written. Also out is Lost in Outer Space, about the Apollo 13 moon mission, and coming soon is Lost in the Amazon, about a teenager who falls from a plane and has to survive on her own in the rainforest. All that led 7th grader Ian Curry to ask, Why are you so fascinated with the concept of Lost? Olson says it all goes back to when he was about the same age as the kids who are now reading his books. When I was 11... I went on vacation in Maine and I read a book called Alive, which is about a rugby team that gets stranded in the Andes Mountains when their plane goes down. And they're stuck there for about two months. And shockingly enough, they had the way that they survive is to eat the bodies of the people that died in the plane crash. And I was just amazed by this story. I didn't get out of my chair for about two days, finished the book. And I think ever since then, I've been just fascinated by survival stories, by people who are thrown into situations where they have to improvise in order to survive, who are taken way out of their comfortable lives. And so I thought, you know, how great to be able to write an entire series full of survival stories. The survival story told in Lost in the Pacific starts out with a six-man military air transport command crew flying a B-17 bomber, carrying a VIP war hero and his military escort on a top-secret mission. Colonel Eddie Rickenbacker was the VIP, a very important person. He was an ace pilot in World War I, a race car driver, and then president of a civilian airline. Several Westford students were curious how Olson researched his subjects. Here's seventh grader Rosie Whitney. How did you get all this information? Good question, Rosie. It took a while. 
But one of the great things about this story is that Eddie Rickenbacker was sort of like the LeBron James of his day. Like everybody knew who he was. And so when these guys got lost out in the Pacific, it was front page news on all the newspapers in the country. And thankfully, Rickenbacker kind of thought pretty highly of himself. So he kept pretty much every clipping, every news story that was ever written about him. And they're all at a library at a university in Georgia. And I got them to send me photocopies of all of these articles. And also, you know, when they got back, when they were saved, everybody wanted to hear their story. So these guys talked to newspaper reporters. They uh, they each wrote books. So there was plenty of information on the story. Fifth grader Grace Samula wondered if Olson got to hear the story from anyone in person. Did you ever get to talk to anyone on the rafts or planes, family members or friends? No, unfortunately, I didn't. Um, Their families, I think, have scattered far and wide. I did end up, after the book came out, somebody got in touch with me who lives out west, who is the, let me see if I can get this right, the daughter of, uh, daughter or granddaughter of one of the guys who saved these guys in the end, one of the pilots of the uh, the flying boat that, that came down and found them. So that was pretty fun. To find out exactly how many of the men made it home alive, you'll want to read Lost in the Pacific for yourself. And speaking of surprises, if you're wondering if the Westford Elementary students ever got inside that lockbox, they did. So congratulations, everyone. We have minutes to spare. Yeah. The surprise inside was a book-inspired snack including an abundance of gummy sharks. For VPR News, I'm Amy Noyes. The book is Lost in the Pacific 1942, part of a nonfiction series by Vermont author Todd Olson. Special thanks to Westford Elementary School Library Media Specialist Beth Shelley and Westford Public Library Director Bree Droppa. Next month on Dorothy's List, we'll talk with Feruze Doma about her novel, Say It Ain't So, Falafel. Here's Westford 5th grader Ada Jorshik and 6th grader Virginia Cobb with a preview. There are a few differences between me and any other kid in America, but these are the main ones. One, I speak Persian at home. Two, the only pet I have ever owned is a goldfish. I realize that goldfish are a sad excuse for a pet since you cannot hold them, walk them, train them, or do anything fun at all. Worst of all, they never act like they like you, no matter what you do for them. Three, my mom does not know how to make oatmeal raisin cookies. Four, All of my friends are in books. That's Ada Jorshik and Virginia Cobb reading from It Ain't So Awful, Falafel. It's our next selection on Dorothy's List. 